A world in ruins and brothers betrayed. The vengeful spirit has finally left the orbit of Istvan III. Countless brother Astartes lay cold in the ground, betrayed by their own gene fathers. Whatever has possessed the minds of these four sons of the Emperor, we may never know. However, reports abound of a ship under fire jumping into the warp away from the fleet may yet be a herald of light in these darkest of times. Stay tuned, brothers. Radio Free Istvan will continue to broadcast updates on the movements of the Trader Warmaster. And remember, the Emperor protects. Will there be you anything else? Oh, yes, my dear man. More pains. America's favorite obese family is back. Ew, gross! You're just mad because I'm skinny. I'm not. Jeff Mortarian. Portnoy. Jeff Mortarian. Jeff Portnoy. Mortarian. Jeff Portnoy. And Jeff Mortarian. Jeff Portnoy are. Are the Death Guard. Who? In some countries. Considered a compliment. Letting loose this summer. Istvan 5. Good evening and welcome, listeners, to Radio Free Istvan Minch 4 Gaming Podcast. My name is Scott, and with me today I have Vince. <laughs> there we go. We're talking. It's Good. me, Vince. Yeah. We're talking Quality. about big old. Quality's always going to be there, itself. folks. You can count on it. <laughs> And uh, I remember on our last episode, I talked about a special guest. Well, guess what? We do have a special guest, not the one I'm talking about, because uh, that one Gaff Thorpe does. But this one, however, is even better. Jubak himself, Jay Feigenheimer, Steiventavid. Everybody Bay. is about to get Jade. And believe it or not, folks, we this is the first time a podcast has been able to get a guest that's currently on Mars, and he's recording right now. So <laughs> that's very funny. How you guys doing, Jay? You shared your screen with us, and all we're seeing right now is your shared screen. Really? Yeah. And there's a whole bunch of P tabs in your Google Chrome right now. I wonder what those are all are. Yeah, I can <laughs> only imagine what those what those. <laughs> <laughs> Probably uh, not. No, up, folks, you know. I think we just got an insight on Jay's Google Pro. <laughs> <laughs> not in incognito mode. <laughs> I'm gonna guess. I'm gonna guess that doesn't stand for like Polish architecture, or... Hey, what's going on? There, 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 there we go. We got. We got Jay back. <laughs> you know what those fucking tabs are, man. I, I I've seen I've seen your uh, your your uh, uh, posting. What is it? Four hundred and eighty pages in on uh, Pornhub. <laughs> All right. Well, Vince. Hey, what do we have on deck for this episode? Hey, so we're bringing it back, fucking godfather monty style uh monty and ryan style we're bringing back the legion episode right now so we're going into the death guard today boys and girls 
That's right. That's so right. We're getting hot and heavy with Lord Stinky himself. I hope you all enjoyed that fucking opening that I made. Uh, I was drunk when I made it, and I thought it was pretty hilarious. And <laughs> uh, when I was sober the next day, I thought it was so hilarious that uh, we were going to keep it. So fuck you if you don't think it's funny. Um, <laughs> I don't think Scotty now. has. I don't, I don't think it's. I don't think Scotty has listened to it at this point. No, nope, I was I'm gonna kidding. say I haven't. I have no idea what uh, what what you're what you're what you're babbling about there, man. Yeah, good. I, I, there's this little chat that me and Scotty are part of, and I posted it there to let him know, like, hey, this is the the Death Guard opening I made for the this up this week's coming episode, and I don't think he ever listened to it. So clearly, yes, if there's anything I know about you, bud, is I know what I'm getting when I order the pack. So there you go. I'm sure, it'll be magical. <laughs> don't you worry uh but yeah and ladies and gents that's what we're going to do we're going to talk a little bit of uh death guard lore and fluff and how to you know hopefully represent this army in a flavorful manner in the uh 31st millennium with what we have available thus far um i'm a little more familiar with some of the later uh books so you're talking like book six and earlier than that but vince is also pretty decently first in book seven and eight so yep. if there's anything death guard applicable in those you know we will uh cover that as well also jay's been playing death guard for gosh a couple of years now uh used to play in our club in indiana in ryan's basement before uh before the barn and we um stop bringing him on and getting some of his insight and some of his passion for the uh for the old stinky 14th would, would help add a little something extra to the episode. Yeah. So, so Jay, tell us, how did you, what got you into death guard and like, how did you get started in death guard? Uh, well, I, I started out with, uh, with the night Lords, um, initially, but, uh, I was always a, a big fan of the death guard lore and the fact that it was all toxic weaponry and you know, chem weaponry, rad weaponry, and just the fact that uh, these guys were the embodiment of the Grim Reaper moving across space—that uh, always that always appealed to me. All right. Who, who doesn't love a Primarch with a with a giant scythe? That's pretty cool. So, do you like the current theme now of more of? Uh, sloppy bile piper death guard or do you think it's more <laughs> cooler to have like a, a dark reaper death guard that's not current with the well i mean that uh, vince that's kind of two different things right there the, the sloppy bile piper you know take it or leave it for a nurgle demon right and i can go either way on that because whatever they're supposed to be jovial right uh, so uh, the but that's not a death guard now are you talking about like like that versus 40k new death guard with like all of the oozing tentacles and exactly yeah, yeah, yeah so so are you are you with the with how uh 40k like reintroduced the death guard and and they brought out the demon primarch mortarian are you are, are you happy with it like do you do you do you appreciate how he's more of a a giant fly from the movie it or the movie the thing uh or are you like uh should he no. be more of a like a grim reaper-esque type character uh i think i think the the mortarian 
40K model is, is pretty good. Um, it's a pretty accurate representation. I in, always envisioned him with bat wings, but that's, I think, early lore, you know, talked about him having that. Um, and then, you know, the fly wings, though, make a lot of sense. You know, that it's, uh, you know, keep it, keep it themed. Um, but uh, uh, it would always be interesting if you took, like, Alariel's wings and slapped them on, you know, do, do something like that. Uh, but uh, uh, I have one of the creature cast uh, plague angels. That's the super thin one with the wings and the scythe. That would be, in my estimation, like if you're going to do another model, that's kind of what Mortarian would look like. Cool. Now, do you do you actually own like the 30k Mortarian, the Primark? Yeah. Do you enjoy that one? Uh, I do. I um, I like. I think some of the conversions that people have done, um, I think Ryan did a very cool conversion. Uh, but I, I do like that model. The only thing I can't stand is the scythe comes off at the drop of a hat. <laughs> I, I, you were there. You saw it at uh, the bot G GT. I oh, yeah. didn't have my scythe because it broke off as I was yeah. putting him in the case. Yeah, the same thing happened with uh, Magnus's big, big ass scythe, or not even scythe, his big ass power axe. Just comes off. Yeah. Oh, you're the 30K Magnus? Yeah. I would imagine also those flying rocks that he's hurling are, you know, don't stay on very well. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't even I didn't even bring them. I was like, I'm not even going to bring this. <laughs> it's like, I know I will break this for sure. Yeah. And <laughs> plus, it's so, lost. it's like, it's like <laughs> so fucking big. It's like, what, what, like, I'm going to put this on the table and then. You know what I mean? Like, what am I supposed to do? This put this on my mantle so all my house guests can see my yeah. shameful, dirty hobby I fucking <laughs> have. No, of course not. I'm gonna bury this in my basement down deep where I do. Yeah, most no, right? Like, are you hob are you hobby shaving me right now? Is that what's going on right <laughs> now? Are you hobby shaving me? Like, is this what's going on? Like, I, I should know. be ashamed that I paint little male models with uh with the brush. Is that, is that what's supposed to be going on right now? Yeah. <laughs> You know what's making this episode like ten times better is that while me and Scotty, me and you right now, we're on with Jay, and this is the whole Death Guard like Nurgle fucking episode, and like his creature caster model right now is being blurred out like it's so fucking grotesque. Oh, uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's like inappropriate. Yeah, see, look, look right now, like <laughs> yeah, it's like a naked man on cable television. That's great. This isn't this isn't for younger audiences gentlemen oh it, not at all all right and so with anything like if like i'm at work and i'm just like bored and i just want to go over the fucking any sort of legion i want to look into um i pull up our friends over at id4chan because you know they drop it to you real like they're not gonna just sit there and, and sugarcoat shit like like right here and I, I got the legion's book right now and it's like it's like the space greens of the Emperor's Legion are genetically engineered psycho-indoctrinated warriors with superhuman abilities in their minds, blah, 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 right? And then it's like the Death Guard are stalwart and implacable fighters, right? Whereas uh, ID4chan, they're just straight up like, due to the living in the utter shithole in their case, quite literally, that was barbarous, where the local air was equivalent to huffing the engine exhaust from a Chinese cab, the Death Guard <laughs> soon grew proud of their ridiculously tough beyond humanly possible bodies 
which made them resistant to almost all forms of poisons and diseases. In parentheses, didn't stop them from succumbing to Nurgle's gift, her, her, due to their affinity to biological and chemical elements, likely programming their gene seed as well, the Death Guard likely became the Emperor's personal biochem experts. It wouldn't be a surprise if their main source of orbital bombardment was virus bombs. In fact, they probably bathed in that shit on a daily basis. They, as long, uh, along with Jay over here, our special guest, also smoked a lot of weed. <laughs> so that is a very good actual summarization of the Death Guard and their actual Legion. Would, yep. you, would you not agree there, Scotty? I would. I would. One thing that's probably important to cover, though, that I would I would draw everyone's attention to is how do, how did these guys get started? And like most legions, you know, they didn't get to spend their formative years with their prime arc when, uh, you know, the whole chaos laboratory warp portal thing tore all those guys out of their little tubes and shot them all over all over the galaxy. Um, they had to grow up, you know, basically without him and without any of the traits he's known for. And initially, yep. the Death Guard started out is simply being known as the Dusk Raiders. Um, they were uh, a legion that was formed on Terra from the clans of Albia. So I don't know what that... It's supposed to be roughly analogous to uh, England. So there like, you go. if England didn't have any ocean and everything was built up in a giant technological heap, that's Albia. Albia, bam. There you have it. See, look at that. So that's why we have Jay, the fucking Death Guard. Expert. Yeah, I know. Thank God for that. A geographer, so, baby. Albia was kind of the region that the Emperor drew all these recruits from. It started to form the 14th Legion. They were all on Terra from the gene seed that he initially drew from Mortarian. And uh, they took part in the Unification Wars and were using their, you know, Real heavy infantry tactics, things like that, stubborn defenses. Very, very foot sloggy, just yeah. moving across with mass numbers, very, very attrition style warfare yep. for their getting a reputation for being very, very implacable. Typically back in the day, their paint scheme was like a gray, more of a ceramite power armor highlighted with some red. Um, one good place where you can see an awesome example of this is if you look up uh, GMM Studios. Uh, there's a guy over there. I don't. I, his name escapes me, but he's a fantastic artist, and he painted a Dusk Raiders army a couple of years ago, like a big 40k scale, like 10,000 point army, and uh, had a nice display board and everything, or more than a board, you know, a, an entire di display set up where he, you could, uh, you know, see it in all its glory, and it's a it's a really cool color scheme and. I always yeah, like it. When single red arm. I mean, it's just it's yeah. very, yeah, very hot. Yeah, I always like it when a legion has like a a cool little spinoff backstory like this, where you know you get so used to how they are in the heresy now and the traits they possess, but when they have something flavorful like this in their history, it kind of sets them off, makes them a little well, bit cooler. And, and the early, the early fourteenth legion is. Very reminiscent of what will become the, the the later 14th, the the warriors of of old Albia were a terror to the rest of the planet. Yeah, and they used a lot of proto dreadnoughts, which the later Legion used. But just the way, like the dread that they inspired, 
was something that that legion carried with it, you know, across the stars. Yeah, yeah. And the Emperor initially gave them the name Dusk Raiders because one tactic they used, much like the old French and Indians back in the day, was attacking at dusk, you know, during the hours of stand to, if you're a military guy out there. So when all that IR crossover and stuff is going on, the, you know, day starting yep. to heat up, they would hit people then. So that was their favorite tactic, and he named them accordingly. I was going to say the old French tactic of surrendering. Yeah, the old French tactic of running the fuck away. All right. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, just kidding. Just kidding, guys. It's great. Yeah. All right. Um, so we got these, we got the Dusk, Ra- the Dusk Raiders. They're going off through the whole Unification Wars and yep. the Great Crusade. And the next thing you know, they stumble upon this fantastic, beautifully atmospheric planet called Barbarous. Yeah. Where do we, we go from there, from Scott? Here, Vince. <laughs> oh, okay. All right. Go ahead. All right. So, uh, <clears throat> Primarchs are scattered all across the universe. Uh, and then every Primarch has their own associated legion. And then next thing you know, uh, the Dusk Raiders, they're, they're looking for their father and they stumble upon Planet Barbarous, right? Uh, very, very fear world, almost a death planet. Like basically you can't, you can't live there. And, uh, so the world was split into two groups, right? So you had the controlling, uh, warlords who were basically like these, uh, necromancer type people who had like psychic powers. And then you had like the lowly fucking human peons that lived at like the bottom of all these mountain tops. That like these neck these psychic necromancer um, lived on top of, and so basically, uh, Mortarian was the only person able to like basically link link the like create that bond to create that link between these crazy ass necromancers and the lowly human people, and his whole deal was that he was gonna kill these fucking people that that like put them basically into to bondage this entire time. And so knowing like old Wheezy himself on this, like trying to like word it, like work his way up through all these mountains and, and kill all these necromancers ends up doing it. And then next thing you know, emperor comes in and, uh, he, at first he's like, you know, reluctant to attack the emperor because he thinks he's like another one of these fucking necromancers but then he realizes that like uh he's he realizes something like he's his father basically you're right there vince i feel like i'm having a stroke no no go ahead no 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 it's uh, okay i that that was i feel like the cliff notes version yeah basically yeah yeah yeah. Well, the idea was, you know, he's he's growing up on Barbarous, and this is a planet that's ruled over by essentially a monarchy of these like uber psyker necromancer yeah. kind of guys which, that live. Which the the Barry Dagger book indicates were at one point human, as opposed to alien, which is what was always believed. Right. So right. It sounds like they were uh, essentially uh, worshippers of Nurgle already on the planet but what was interesting about them they were able like the reason why they were able to rule over the humans was because they could breathe in that atmosphere correct 
Correct, because they yeah. essentially, uh, and when and when the emperor got to Barbarus, they kind of determined that, like Fenris, there's no way that it could have existed naturally. It was so unique that it was most likely terraformed into that that you know desired shape. Yep, and you know these guys ruled like Mount Olympus style, sort of with. The atmosphere being poisonous essentially everywhere, but a lot less so in the low ground than on the high peaks where these guys live. You know, human beings couldn't go up there. It would tear them to pieces and all this. Well, obviously, Mortarian having those kind of, you know, inklings of leadership and, you know, the need to lead his people to some, you know, grand goal, a lot like all the Primarchs, really, you know, in their <laughs> sort of formative years. He uh, he kind of starts to rally these people together and training them in basic tactics and stuff and equipping them. And a lot of the, you know, early examples, of a lot of things the Death Guard would become synonymous with, like rebreather masks and the pickle hob style helmets with spikes on top and yeah. you know, kind of, ramshackle sort of military equipment so they can begin to fight for their independence and uh like like vince said you know the emperor comes down and much like with all the other primarchs he has to prove himself to mortarian to prove that he's you know worthy of mortarian's time and mortarian was very reluctant to to you know like a lot of them to to listen to this guy and uh you know, his campaign was going well enough that he wanted to go up into the mountains by himself and kill these necromancer witch guys. Well, it's even too poisonous up there for him. So eventually he gets so high up that he succumbs to this atmosphere and passes out, at which point the emperor swoops in, whacks these dudes for him, and saves Mortarian's life. Well, after that, you know, eventually Mortarian comes to the conclusion that this guy, well, now I owe him, A, and B, you know, he must be of some provenance if he could achieve something that even me, somebody who's obviously beyond the basis of the basic barbarian citizen at this time, you know, couldn't do, and goes ahead and agrees to lead one of his legions in the Great Crusade from that point on. Exactly. Yeah. And um, me starting the heresy novel series, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm like, I'm, I just started it. So I finished. I just I'm about to finish up Legion. So that's, okay. that's about that, that's about as far as I got, because I got all the books on audiobook now. So it's like just something a daily thing I listen to when I'm hobby and stuff like that. But one thing cool I've noticed within the first five books of the the heresy novels is like the Death Guard are, and I never I never thought about this about Death Guard to be honest. Like they're a very tight knit legion. Like uh, Mortarian absolutely loves his 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 legion of Stardates. Like he he's he's like very very like servant leadership towards them. It's weird. I, I, I never would have expect that to come out of Mortarian. Yeah, he's not a... And, and he, he shows it sometimes, uh, not very often, uh, especially there are a couple examples in the later books. Uh, like, for example, he uh, just uh, swings his scythe around him, kills every member of his bodyguard, and allows the uh, uh, Grulgor 
demon because you read flight of the eisenstein right yeah yeah yeah. so you know ignatius grulgor yeah so he ends up coming back as a uh a demon essentially the life eater virus incarnated oh okay and what uh, later book was that uh well, uh, Battle for Moloch. Uh, was it Fall of Moloch? Um, yeah, so yeah, Ven- yeah. Vengeful Spirit yeah. is the name of the book. Okay. Um, so, so yeah, that's a, a, you know, and that's um, something that continues to haunt Mortarian because he continues to use sorcery uh, when it literally drives him. There's nothing that he hates more. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's like, but that's, his... that's, that's towards a, that's, that's towards like, the 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 latter end of the heresy when he's practically like under the 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 fucking marionette that is Nurgle right yep. so but like yep. in the beginning when it's just it, when it's just like yeah he was boy, certainly a more uh, you know he wasn't a scornful leader well like, I mean so Robin so do we want to talk about stuff that occurred in in um Barry Dagger or no we don't want to have spoilers no, no, yeah, no, yeah, no. we can we can do it basically but we're we're doing hey. like, Spoiler alert, you know yeah. what? If you don't want to learn about the Legion, this is not the episode for you. Hey, so, okay. there we go. Fire away, yeah, Jay. you're very, so, very so privileged to have let me, let me Let me throw something in there. The thing that I find the most ironic uh, is the fact that Mortarian chose to save a band of ragged humans from a group of walking zombies or whatever. Yeah. Uh, when he chose to do that, the person who was yelling at him, who essentially kicked his ass into gear, was Callus Typhon, who becomes the first captain of the Death Guard, who eventually leads them into damnation. Right. So, you know, sometimes it's like, ah, eh, maybe it's maybe helping out is not always the best answer. Absolutely. Yeah. And now that's a really that's a really important writing trait, I think, for the Horus Heresy series is it shows you in any of the good books. Now, not all of them are good, but the really good ones show you, you know, the two sides of the coin and that there's a cause and effect. And sometimes there's, you know, the, the first order consequence of a decision and there's the second and third order consequence of you know, how bad is this actually going to turn out down the road since maybe I took an answer that just seemed simple and easy at the time. Oh yeah. Uh, you can, you can, you can thank the death guard legion for basically creating the, uh, the gray Knights. Uh, you can thank them for that because old boy, Nathaniel Garrow is a complete fucking badass. Yes. So a great way to learn about the death guard and sort of their actions pre you know it's fan three it's fan five those first three heresy books written by damon abnett graham mcneil you know you're talking horse rising like galaxy and flames yeah so it was uh so horse rising betrayer galaxy and flames flight of the eisenstein eisenstein Um, yeah they're all prominent figures and like in all of those books the death guard are incredibly prominent in those and flight of the eisenstein as they alluded to earlier nathaniel garrow was a legionary uh of you know from i believe terra originally but yep you know had been a dusk raider prior to you know them 
rejoining with Mortarian and taking on some of his traits to become the Death Guard. But uh, he, you know, was one of those legionaries who got caught between his legion and his loyalty to the Emperor. And he becomes incredibly, incredibly pivotal in a lot of books, you know, down the road. He was the one who passed the warning to Dorne after his fan three yep. that not everything was as it seems and that Horus had betrayed. So that's a Death Guard character right there who is maybe, you know, one of the top 10 most important characters of the entire series. Oh, yeah. Uh, originally, he originally... become a Grey Knight. Yeah. Uh... He and Garville. Uh, Garville Loken. Yep. I don't know that they do. I think they become a uh, like Malkador's little CIA kind of Gestapo sort of thing. But I don't, I don't know if it's them that become the Grey Knights. Oh, so so in in um, what the hell was it? Uh, I think it's in uh, yeah, uh, Buried Dagger. They Malkador sends what is it nine or something? Uh, Marines through like a warp portal to Titan. Mm -hmm. And there he's setting up the Grey Knights and Loken was supposed to go with them. Loken refused. Garrow was not even given the choice. Ah. If, I, if I recall correctly, was not even, and I, they didn't, they never explained that. I'm sure they'll, you know, talk yeah, about. If, 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 like, basically at the end of the flight of the Eisenhorn, like you got, you got, uh, Garrow, and he's wanting to go back to combat, and then Malkador is just like, "Hey, listen, dog, I got a special project for you." Yeah, there's gonna be there's gonna be these fucking crazy things that pop up all out of the galaxy, out of people's assholes, and I need you to fucking mm. kill them. And he was already pretty, uh, you know, he was already pretty aware of the potential of those things because if you read Flight of the Eisenstein, you see some of the very first instances of Plague Marine and oh, yeah. how those come to be and yeah he has to uh kill uh um what is it uh, the lord of flies is a greater yep. yep. demon yep. on when they get to luna so uh so me and aj were, were talking and at this point jay was already passed out at his house but me jay and kurt were talking about for war games camp what we came up with like this little narrative uh zm idea of you create basically a ZM uh, force of Nathaniel Garrow and, and Loyalist um, Death Guard, and you basically fight through the ZM board that's going to be outlined like a spaceship, and like you try to make it through, and it's just going to be like unrelenting Nurgle demons that AJ has, and it'll represent that final battle at the end of Flight of the Eisenhorn, or Flight of yeah Eisenhorn, Flight of the Eisenstein. Dying. Yeah, <laughs> that's pretty cool. Uh, I will because uh, I'm bringing my plague demons as well, so I'll I'll throw them in the mix. But so, uh, so Jay, yeah, could you tell us a little bit about you know we know the Death Guard are cool and they you know they eventually become traitor uh, at some point. Could you kind of educate us a little bit on the process of these guys sort of falling under the the uh, control of the War Master, and especially the the control of Nurgle, which is, you know, in 40K universe, there's the gods of chaos all separated, and they all represent something different. Nurgle being the one of play, kind of associated with the color green and the three dots and, you know, the structure of a triangle. So could you uh, tell us a little bit about that since you read up on it? 
Sure, sure. Um, well, Mortarian obviously never got along with the Emperor. Uh, the Emperor didn't get along with a lot of his uh, Jean sons. Uh, th the, the Emperor always came off to him as a bit of a tyrant and a, uh, a braggart. And so he always felt more at home with Horace. And so when, and he never really forgave the emperor for killing Encari, which is uh, Mortarian's foster father on Barbarus. Because uh, essentially Mortarian, you know, and he was going to, he was going to die doing it, but he would rather have died. Like Angron, he would rather have died than failed. And right. the emperor stole that choice from him, which never sat well. So uh, when... And he's also a the most powerful psyker in the galaxy, which Mortarian hates psychers above all. Yeah. So never really a big fan. And then when Horus came to Mortarian and gave him a spiel like, oh, there are uh, weapons of mass destruction in Iraq. I can prove it. And that's kind of how Mortarian was like, oh, sure. I will obviously come along with you and we will go and uh, remove the emperor and I'm going to install you, Horus, as the new master of mankind. So that's, that's how Mortarian ended up with Horus. Uh, he ended up with Nurgle pretty much because of Callus Typhon, as I, as I said a little earlier. And so the, the overlords of Barbarus, uh, from what we can determine, seem to be a uh, degenerate human or near-human uh, Nurgle worshippers. And once they were eradicated, uh, the few remaining examples of interbreeding between the human uh, surf population and the overlords, Callus Typhon is one of them. Uh, that's why he never really got along with anybody else. So he and Mortarian kind of felt like outsiders. So that made them, you know, butt buddies. And Typhon really, uh, he was the one who carried like Erebus, like Corpheron, um, you know, they're the ones that carried the shard that caused all of the fucking problems. Yep. So could you kind of tell us what the pivotal event was that led to them becoming the Nurgle, you know, plague marines of 40K that we know today? Sure. Uh, when Horus issued the assault on Terra call, Mortarian obviously was promised a uh, place of honor uh, in the, as the first legion to land. But uh, when the fleet entered the warp, uh, Typhon uh, essentially, we believe, caused it to be becalmed in the warp. And uh, he went to Mortarian and said, hey, uh, we we I think I know what's going on. I just need to uh, have your permission to do this one maneuver. He essentially 
murdered all of the navigators at the same moment so that they wouldn't be able to contact each other. Then, uh, Mortarian, realizing that Typhon had overstepped himself, was furious, and Typhon's like, no, 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 don't worry. I will be able to lead the fleet. Uh, this was just a ruse uh, to uh, essentially uh, allow the light, um, what is it, what is the name of the uh, the flies that he carries? Typhus. Oh, the, the destroyer. destroyer. The destroyer plague, thank you. So, so the destroyer plague comes amongst the Death Guard, and it is a psychosomatic plague, right? It's not based in anything real. It's not real. It's, it's like Morgellons disease. Right. It's like it, where you feel like you're picking it like little fibers coming out of your skin and shit. Well, but except for it's it's not real, but it generates real symptoms. So to the point of a death guard being in such pain that Mortarian went and and drove a knife through his chest to, to end his suffering, and the death guard then stood back up. And this was like the first, like, okay, now we've got a problem here. And yeah. so... They don't normally do that when no, they, they How yeah, weird. Yeah, that was... Especially for, for the Death Lord, when he fucking puts a knife in something, it normally stays down. Uh, but, uh, so it, uh, as the Destroyer Hive went among them, essentially they couldn't die, but they were in unending agony. And uh, I won't spoil this so that you guys can read the book later, but there is a uh, uh, Typhon... Uh, and Mortarian get into uh, a little scuffle. And in the end, Mortarian ends up accepting uh, Nurgle, calls out to the warp, surrenders, essentially. And Nurgle takes him as his own. Yeah, yeah. So uh, I don't know what, what spoiler you were getting to, but basically, like, for the Destroyer uh, Plague, uh, once it infect, once it infected all of the death guard and they're like, what the fuck is going on? Like my fuck, like I'm getting all this fucking pus and shit. Like my power armor is like, I'm, I'm like bloating and shit like that. And they're in this complete agony. The only way to save them out of this agony was, was basically saying to father Nurgle, like, Hey, I want to worship you now. And father Nurgle would take the pain away. But in return, they basically became what now is plague Marines and then that's how you went from Horus Heresy Death Guard into Plague Marines and, and what the Death Guard is in 40k. Which is very cool, because that means at the Siege yep. of Terra, they are not necessarily completely, or all of them, but many of them are already going to become Plague Marines, especially those of... Uh, so Mortarian had earlier in the Heresy broken his command and... Uh, typhus apart so the typhus could go off and do his own thing um the marines that followed his com typhus's command ended up being infected with the nurgle rot much earlier than the rest of the legion so yeah. if you're really heavily plague marined chances are you were, were you were with typhus yeah 
so it's, it's a, it's a first pre- company captain. So that's like your very best soldiers have the very worst, you know, traits of this. Well, uh, within the within the Death Guard, they there was there was three positions that were were like the the one they only had seven great companies. Be, obviously, Nurgle, their their the numbers was was in was in there with the Legion before they were even like yep. talking about it. So. You had the first company who was who was Typhon, and then I forget what the second one was. So second company was Ignatius Grugor's company, um, and he had a unique title as well. Um, I don't remember what it was. And then the uh, the last one is the leader of the seventh company, and that was Nathaniel Nathaniel Garo was the was was the battle battle captain of the uh, of the seventh company. I don't know. Can we talk about the fact that that Nurgle seems to be the only demon that's got both seven and three as its special number? Well, like, really, we can't. A fun pick- thing, like what are those guys? Um, the the death size, like the ones that follow Mortarian around, and says bodyguard can never be more than forty nine steps away. Yep. Seven the times seven. Thing is seven times seven is forty nine. Right, and it's, but and it's Nurgle's funny. number is is three. The three eyes, the three boils, the three, you know, like three is, a, you know, it's, I don't know, is it because they're prime numbers? I suppose. But, you know, it's crazy is what Scotty just said about this, about the 49 steps away. That was pointed out in the book A Thousand Sons by Magnus at the fucking Council of Nikea. He's like, brother, do you not even realize, like, your own death shroud cannot be more than fucking... 49 steps away from you and that it That's like the number normal yeah, yeah it's like the, the number seven is is speaking to you in this in this sort of weird way and then of course he pulls the fucking space wolves like oh i don't but i don't practice fucking magic you're fucking stupid i just have this fucking magical fly that sits on my shoulder and he talks to me that's not that's that's not magic. That's fucking normal. You don't have a fucking fly that sits on your shoulder and talks to you. Then you're yeah. fucking wrong. <laughs> oh, those thousand sun players. You can always hear them, ladies and gentlemen. Always, always. Vince did nothing wrong. That's what Vince is basically saying. That, yeah, yeah. So. I just finished uh, Solar War. Have you? Uh, I, mean, I haven't, man. I wish I, I wish I'd had time. Did you enjoy it? So I had to stop midway through, three quarters of the way through, um, when one of my favorite characters in the entire series is killed. Oh no, dude, that's the worst. I fucking and the other the I he pretty much leaves the so it's uh the white scars. Jubal Khan is killed yeah. by uh, Abaddon, and. Uh, so very sad, um, but wow, you just ruined that for a whole bunch of people. I know. I, it's everybody. This is a spoiler. Spoiler alert. Earlier, yeah, we, uh, we we warned you. We That's warned you. Yeah. Christ. Freaking. So that leaves what? That leaves Shibon Khan as the only special Khan. Sidon Khan, bro. He's the he's the he's the uh, one who's mostly robot now. You know, and like all the other unique special characters for the White Scars are dead. Piss Scott, I go away to refill my drink and we come back. We're not even talking about Death Guard anymore. 
<laughs> we're talking you, about uh, Scott. Uh, first off, Scott, War. what are you what are you over there painting? Are you painting some fucking pantaloons right now? Yeah, dude, painting fucking look a little mummy. Oh my god! Oh, yeah. Right, all right, all right, guys. Let's get this back on track. So <laughs> essentially, where we're at, we're post. In case you didn't know this, the siege of Terra did not work out on many different levels. And especially for the Death Guard, okay? Horus' assault was broken and throttled, and the Chaos Legion scattered throughout the galaxy and into the Eye of Terror, and off they went only to re-arise, you know, very long time in the future. But we're not too concerned about that. More concerned about how they operated as a legion within the context of the heresy and the big, no events that they were at and they took part in. One major famous battle that we all know of was a uh, believe they were at Ulanor. Well, weren't they, Jay? Yeah. Uh yes, well they were one of the legions that uh uh participated in the triumph. I don't know if they I'm sure they were there to kill the orcs. Right, right. So that's a major one they were at and then they obviously took place. They were there in uh it uh, is fan three when the Legion purge of, you know, the old Terran veterans kind of occurred. Yep. And those those legions that would go on to become the major operative traitor legions down the road decided to purge anyone suspected of loyalty to the Emperor from its ranks. And they're cool because they're one of those legions that's a crossover legion. Not only were they at Isfan 3, but they were also one of the defending legions at Isfan 5, the drop site massacre. You know, when the, the big faint where they drew the loyalists in and then trapped them there. So. Oh, yeah. That's a, killed a lot of salamanders. Yes, yes, quite a few. So, uh, after all that... Um, you know, they eventually that that kind of corruption that Typhon was was harboring and fostering started to take hold. You know, a lot of it initially starting out in the form of the lodges. You know, sort of the same mechanism that Erebus used and uh, some operatives and the Sons of Horus used to kind of breed that sort of descent and redirect some of that loyalty towards you know where they wanted it to go. Uh, and inevitably, after you know, a little bit, a little bit before uh, Siege of Terra, most like most legions that follow the War Master closest, that that Siege of Chaos finally blooms something in the form of, you know, them becoming the the physical forebears of Nurgle and becoming the Plague Marines that we know now. Uh, so some cool things about these guys on the tabletop, Vince. What? is your favorite unit that is strictly Death Guard specific? So I used to, when, when I was back in North Carolina, and this was like the height of my heresy playing days, when every Saturday for about a, a two solid years straight, we were playing Shout heresy. out to Greg Steiner. No, 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 that's not Greg Steiner. Uh, that, that, was, that was afterwards. That was... Still Greg, a shout Greg, out to Greg Steiner. But still shout out to Greg Steiner and his fantastic uh, hobby town that he has in uh, in Fayetteville, North Carolina. So right now, if you are stationed in the old Fort Bragg and you need to find a place to play 40K, stop by old Greg Steiner at the hobby town in Fayetteville and uh, he'll hook you up. 
Um, he's got P3 paints. He's got yeah. all the Tamiya color you paints. You need a break from the drugs and the fucking violent hooker fights and getting fucked by the army and the 82nd Airborne. Come on <laughs> down to Hobby Town and see Greg Steiner and, uh, you know, usually run into Oh yeah, and it, it's great. So, um, so back, so in between, in between seventh edition uh, and eighth edition, forty k, uh, we were just playing heresy nonstop. Um, and it was fact we got tired of seventh uh, edition forty k that got us into the actual like playing heresy because you had the betrayal of Calf box that came out, and then later on you had the burning of Prospero, which were two fantastic box sets that just get you started in the heresy so like we were just going to town and enjoying it so my buddy travis uh who had at this point already had a alpha legion army and he had a raven guard army he also had a death guard army and that was his favorite he absolutely loved the death guard and he like he's just a big death guard fanboy in general he just he just like he loved them in 40k he would play he would play 40k Death Guard and uh, 40k Nurgle Demons, and so when the Heresy came in, we were playing that. He moved into the Death Guard for Heresy, and so every time I played him, the unit that would fuck me up was I'm about to find them right now, but they basically all had like Chem Flamers. Oh, the Grave Wardens. The Grave Wardens. They yes. would fuck me up. The ever-feared like, Grave Warden. So uh, these are the guys that, like, are the main Kim Masters of the Legion and sort of, a, you know, a head, you know, a, a spearhead sort of yeah, kind of formation of Legion-specific Terminators that just get out there and kick oh, yeah. the fuck out of, out of people. And now in Heresy, they're insanely good. I mean, I don't think that's... That couldn't have changed at this stage. That's why I have 20 of them. Yeah, yeah, they're, you know a thing so, about them. They're, they're so fucking gross nasty. Um, but they do have uh, several weaknesses, one of them being um, hard-hitting elite infantry. So Varengear Terminators, crush them. They're, you know, they're... Uh, the Grave Wardens, they're, they're great against vehicles and against long-range lesser units but you don't want to get them into a into a close combat yeah but look at it this way to get rid of this unit you have to have something that equivalent you know is of an elite scale as well yep. so it's not like these guys have some major kind of weakness that just fucks them so, so a random tactical support squad can off them you know yeah they they um, um they do they do suffer the the early plight of book one through four and special terminate like special terminator units for the specific legions they do only have one wound apiece yeah uh, um they're but, also a heavy. They're also a heavy choice. Yeah, they're also a heavy support choice. But it, like once we get into it, you'll realize like you can get you can bypass that. Um, which yeah. we should just get into it right now. So um, let's do it. So if you if you open boys and girls, if you open up your legions uh, book, uh, the Horse Heresy Legion Stories of Darkness Legions, um, page seventy starts off with the Crusade Army list. Uh, appendix for the death guard uh the death guard um and right here it says uh the death guard are stalwart and implacable fighters who have made a specialty both of endurance under the harshest of circumstances and of overcoming 
the most nightmarish and inhospitable of war zones. Their name is a byword for unflinching determination and victory through bloody, grueling attrition when all else fails. As well as for expertise in the darker arts of warfare, such as the use of bioalchem and rad weaponry. As such, all models and units with this special war service to the following prov uh, provisions. Everybody knows what Legion of Stardis is. Uh, remorseless. The Death Guard are immune to fear and automatically pass any pinning test that they are called upon to make, which is pretty dope. Uh, this is another pretty dope one. The Sons of Barbarous, veterans of the most hellish battlefields of the Great Crusade, Death Guard models with this special rule may re-roll failed dangerous terrain tests. Models with this rule also gain a feel-no-pain 4-plus against any wounds inflicted against them by attacks that have the poison or flesh pain type ability. So that means when I'm place when I'm have my fucking heavy tactical support squad of ten heavy bolters with molecular acid chills against a twenty blob of Death Guard infantry, they're gonna get a four up feel no pain against those molecular acid shell bolters because they're a poison three up weapon. Um, this ability cannot be combined with feel no pain from other sources. So just like any other thing, don't be a dick about it. And just because, like, they had to write that in there because there's somebody in there that was probably looking at this and would be like, well, that wasn't fucking in there. And then I would just add it to the other fucking feel no pain I got. But just don't be a dick. Like, you can't add feel no pain to another feel no pain and make a three or two up feel no pain. It's real simple. Um, getting on to the Legion-specific units in war gear. In addition to those found in Crusade Army List, the Death Guard Legion has particular access to the following additional units. Deshroud Terminators and Grave Warden Terminators, those motherfuckers. And yeah. the specialized war gear, chem munitions, and power sides. Alright, so chem munitions. These are the bad motherfuckers. Flame weapons taken apart of Death Guard Force may be upgraded to special issue chem munitions, i.e. flamers, hand flamers, heavy flamers, combi flamers, or flamestorm cannon at no additional points cost. If this upgrade is taken, all eligible weapons in a unit or a chosen vehicle are upgraded, and this should be noted on the army list. Weapons with the chem munitions upgrade gain both the shred and gets hot special rules. So we'll get to that in a minute. Um, power That's side. That's why they're great in zones. Exactly. Zone mortalis, so they already have shred. So if you have a 10-man tactical support squad of Death Guard and they get the chem munitions... Uh, you give them the munitions upgrade for free. And basically what happens is you have a 10-man squad that in Zone Mortalis gets plus one strength because of they already have Shred, because all template weapons in Zone Mortalis get Shred, and it states that if they have Shred already, then they get plus one strength. Plus so one. you have a strength five, you have basically a strength five uh, flamer going around uh, and flaming people to death in Zone Mortalis. Yeah, it was real nasty when uh, when they had uh, Legion veterans with flamers. Yeah. Can't, can't take that anymore. All right, power sides. Any character or independent character with the Legion of Stardust Death Guard special rule eligible to take a power fist as part of their options may instead take a Death Shroud power scythe for the same listed cost. So power scythe is strength plus one, AP two, melee, reaping blow, and two-handed. Reaping Blow, models using a special weapon with a special rule fight at minus one initiative and assault. In addition, if the wielder is in base contact with more than one enemy model at the initiative step in which they fight, they gain plus one attack. 
So if at that point of the initiative step, so basically you're talking to your, your space marine sergeant at this point is going to be initiative step three. If there are three dudes within base to base contact, uh, they get plus one attack for uh, having more than one model at that initial step in which they fight. So they get plus one attack. So your normal veteran sergeant that, that charges in, uh, you get your initial step four goes, and then if there's still more dudes in front of you, then you get that plus one attack. So you're looking at three, uh, three attacks for him with this power site that's AP2. So pretty damn good to have a sergeant that goes around with only... Uh, minus one to their initiative as opposed to if you need to get AP2 on any sort of sergeant, you're giving them a power axe or a power fist, and that's only that's at initiative step one. I mean, do, do you both agree? Yeah. Yeah, it's I put them on every model that can take it. Exactly. That mu you can't be an AP2 weapon that's at minus one initiative and not have to be, like, initiative step one. Um the only oh, downside is it's two-handed. Yeah, it's just, uh, it's just minus one to your initiative, right? So they yep. go to initiative three, which kind of is effectively everybody else in the whole fucking game almost is initiative four, but... I mean, yeah, true. Yeah. But, it's, I mean, thinking about going... Well, if you're fighting if you're fighting any sort of, like, Terminator blood, that helps you out because, like, if they're all outfitted with... Either yeah, yeah, if you're power... fighting against someone who's a power fist for sure... Yeah, yeah, I guess so. I don't know, man. That's a tough choice to make between that and a power axe, right? Because power axe is plus one strength and AP two, but eh. I don't know. I don't know what I would do. I, if I was a Death Guard player, I'd take the the fucking power scythe because it's yours and it's cool and it's flavorful. Well, and if you need to put a power fist on somebody, you can put them on somebody else in the unit. Uh, you know, mo I guess not a regular. You know, tactical squad, but uh, certainly uh, um, veteran squad or some of the other units. But uh, uh, most the, of the, the death. Way, the way I look at it is though, like so, with the with the power scythe, you you have that two handed special, but you have the reaping blow special. Like, what's what what regular normal tactical sergeant is not going to be outnumbered in base to base combat at initiative right. step three? Right. So yeah. you're gonna get that extra attack, yeah. without having to have the close combat weapons to to offset the fucking, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. you're two handed. So and the space wolves had the same rule with uh, with their great frost blade. Yeah, I, I think it's like I'm, I'm in the same boat with you, Jay. Like. If, if I got a sergeant, I'm gonna put his power scythe on him. Like, yeah. Plus, they look awesome. They do. It's pretty fucking cool. Let's let, let's be honest here. Like, you have a you have a fucking weapon that's supposed to be like cutting grass, and yet it's cutting and, off and heads the name of it, It's called the Man Reaper. Yeah. All right. So going into their first right of war, which I think this is everybody's favorite, the reaping. Right. That's everybody's go to. But that's the only one they got? Holy shit. No, they have no, a they uh have, they have uh, one more. Yeah, creeping was it not creeping death? Um, creeping death. That's it. It's oh. the same as the Metallica song. So wait, wait, is that in like is that in like a later edition or something? Or fucking... Yeah, so that was in the uh updated Gotta get audience. yourself a new red book, sir. Yep. Yep. No, yep. this is like the new this is this is the new fucking red book. What the fuck? Not that one, not the Legion specific rules you're talking the new legion book 
Why? It's in the yeah. It's in the new red normal Legion book. The yeah. army list book is what you're army talking about. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, got it. Reaping death. So. All right. So the reaping. The Death Guard were arguably the most remorseless and among the most feared of the Space Marine Legions. This was not simply because of their power in battle or force of arms, but also because there seemed to be no loss. They would not accept to ensure eventual victory and no hell they would not endure to reach their foe. Although specializing in entrenched and attritional warfare, the Legion also had a number of formations and tactics that enabled it to operate in concentrated and crushing force in an attack. One such was dubbed the Reaping by those who had fought alongside the Death Guard during the Great Crusade. A heavily reinforced column of attack particularly suited to urban warfare and shattered landscapes the reaping was deliberately slow-moving and utterly murderous in its methodical assault pattern, and, like the reaper's sight, little escaped it. So, effects. Superior firepower. Death Guard Legion veteran tactical squads and Legion heavy support squads, a.k.a. those Grave Wardens, may be taken as non-compulsory troops choice using this right of war. Implacable. All units in the detachment using this right of war gain the move through cover special rule and dark arsenal. Any character or independent character model chosen as part of a primary detachment using this right of war with the Legion of Stardust Death Guard special rule may be given rad grenades for 10 points each. That's fucking dope. Limitation. Models and units taken as part of this detachment using this right of war may not make run or flat out moves. Detachments using this right of war may not deploy models using the deep strike rule. And units which must deploy by this method therefore cannot be chosen as part of this detachment. Detachments using the right of war may only take a single fast attack choice on their force organization chart. So Jay, how do you feel about the reaping? So I I, I love this right of war. Um, I... I run a version of it that kind of goes against one of the main tenets that it has, which says no, um, no deep strike. So in the Death Guard background, there is a story of uh, the fourth horseman is a ship designed essentially to uh, it can enter the atmosphere and in one uh Battle during the Her during the Great Crusade, the Death Guard slam it into a hive city and then just essentially walk out into the hive city and just start murdering people. Um, so my initial army was based on that concept. Um, this right of war is great. Rad grenades uh, lowering toughness in close combat always a good thing. Uh, it does end up getting fairly expensive though. Um, but I do also enjoy the move through cover. That's very, very useful. Yeah, I was looking at the limitations. Detachments using this right of war may not deploy models using the deep strike rule. And I was starting to think here with book eight, with the warmonger, you can't even, even if you had a warmonger, you wouldn't be able to bypass that. Yeah, it's like a strict, you know, yeah. hard line, no deep strike sort of thing. Yeah. Which I understand, but I mean, like, it's also, you know, okay. Uh, yeah, it, you know, within the realm of feasibility. Well, I mean, it, it makes sense. Like, the whole purpose of this this right of war is you got, 
you got those cataphracty grave wardens, and then you got just like tacticals, tactical infantry dudes, just foot slogging through this like ruinous environment, and they're just like using their chem munitions and just taking it slow and easy and just flaming out people, and then just being that slow moving force that comes up and just like clears out everything. Like that's the whole point of this. So yeah, uh, it makes yeah, sense yeah. that they just can't just like deep strike in and then just come out and just put a fucking chemunition up your asshole and turn you into barbecue. Yeah. You know what I mean? Right, right. And you know, it's it is very uh, Legion thematic. You know, uh, Mortarian was a big believer uh, in infantrymen and the infantryman tactics. Um, that was you know one. Uh, he was famous for saying. Uh, one legion, one legionary could murder a world given enough time and like the will to raise and lower, the, you know, raise and lower the blade again and again and again until death's work was done. Um, you know, their their triumvirate of weapons was the bolter, the melta gun, and the the flamer. So everybody was essentially designed to be a uh, a standard infantrymen they can take whatever whatever situation comes their way they can handle it yep so oh do you so before we get into the creeping death right of war do you uh do you choose the reaping or the creeping death as your your go-to if i'm gonna advance up the up the middle without deep striking anybody which means i'm not bringing my leviathan dreadnought um, or anything else, uh, I tend to choose the um, the reaping. But honestly, I use uh, Pride of the Legion most of the time because hmm. I love veteran uh, tactical squads are great, and the fact that you know my uh, grave ward, uh, not grave warden, my death shroud terminators. Um, can become troops choices. So yep. that's always definitely, 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 definitely. All right. So going into the next right of war, the creeping death found in uh, the Legion of Stardes army list book. I got all fucked up beforehand. No, yeah, it is weird. That's a very weird thing. But when they did the additional rights of war for some of those earlier legions that came out, they put them out in book six. Yeah, it was book and six. And when they yep. like updated that big book, they just kind of threw them in there, too. Yep. It's, it's a strange thing to find there. Yeah. So as the horse, the horse heresy ground onward, the Death Guard unsealed ever more forbidden arsenals, unleashed ever more potent weapons, Long denied to be to the Legion of Stardes by the edict of the Emperor himself. At length, they were able to concentrate such weapons along the line of advance, creating a rolling bombardment of chemical munitions and a relentless rolling chem fog from which the Death Guard would assault in lockstep, somehow untouched by the weapons able to render entire forests to feeded swamps. All right, so the effects. Misclad. Infantry models in this attachment gave a cover save of 5-up when in the open ground so long as no enemy model is present within 12 inches. Biophage bombardment. Before the game begins, after both sides have deployed, including scouts and infiltrators, 
Roll a d6 for every piece of terrain representing a wood or jungle on the table. On a roll of four plus, the terrain is reduced to a faded chemical mire. Any cover save it afforded is worsened by a minus one, and it, and it counts as dangerous terrain to any model that does not have the Legion of Stardust Death Guard special rule. So basically, if your models are able to sniff and breathe farts, they're unaffected. That's right, uh, dude. Toxin weapons. All frag grenades and missiles in this detachment are increased to strength 5. That's pretty fucking dope. Yep. Limitations. Yep. This right of war may only be used by a Death Guard army belonging to the traitor faction and may not be used in conjunction with the Shattered Legion special rules. The army using this right of war must include a Siege Breaker Legion console. In games where one side is the attacker and the other is the defender, the side using this right of war must always be the attacker. Detachments using this right of war may not be they may not take a fortification detachment or an allied detachment. And that's a that's a major hindrance right there. Because that right of war is very specific to do what kind of uh, table you're playing on. You know, if you're playing on a cityscape, it doesn't really do you a whole hell of a lot of good. Yeah, you're kind of fucked. So I, 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 my buddy Travis, he would play, uh, he would use the Creeping Death, Right of War, and it was nasty because you would include that Siege Breaker, and then because you include the Siege Breaker, your, uh, his three Medusas would have access to Phosphex shells, and yeah, so they he would have drop... Been. They had the real ones too. The AP yep. two ones. Yeah. Yeah. So they would just they would just drop all sorts of nonsense. And of course, he would also have the the can't the 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 mortars as well. And then they would have phosphax and it was just a, a giant like what I remember from him playing the creeping death, it was a giant phosphax gun line. That's what I ran into every single time. That's a very, you know, quintessential death guard tactic yeah. i would say i would say the things that embody them at least to me from an outside perspective is siege type warfare you know they're very similar to the iron warriors in that yep. only they have a very unique specialization in the chemical and radiation munitions they use exactly so one question what about is it a right of war that makes their heavy support guys a troop type, or is that just a legion thing? So no, that's, that's, the, the, that's the, the, the reaping right reaping of war. Okay. makes their heavy weapons troopers, not heavy support. Yeah, it's not yeah. all heavy support, is it? Yeah, it's it's just the heavy Yeah, the heavy weapons troopers. So guys heavy with weapons troopers. Right. So, so, so that's seeing the, the trend because... of, like, these heavier armed infantry guys getting buffs, too. I yeah. think Moltarian actually... Uh, gives them a buff as well, so you could take the creeping to get the buff for your. Uh, uh, he buffs thing. all the all the frag. He gives it. Uh, what does he give it? Poison. Yeah, something like that. So you could do that. You could, you know, take creeping and the uh, creepy death rider war, and then take more carrying in it, or you know, take them, take some heavy support guys in uh, the um, God, the one before that, the reaping. And make up scoring as well, you know, scoring oh, yeah. is a very important well, thing if you're smart and play towards any mission. So, and, and that's super themed as well because 
you know, the Death Guard obviously are heavy, heavy infantry, yeah, but they're not a finesse legion. These are one of those brutal, you know, right. hard nosed legions. Huge fleets of um, uh, Vindicator siege tanks, a uh, huge number of Fellblade tanks, uh, Spartan uh, tanks, Land Raiders. So the fact that, and one of their uh, unique Terminator units is a heavy uh, choice. All of those things, you know, like chances are your heavy slot is going to be taken up pretty freaking quickly. So yeah. the ability to put more heavy weapons troopers in your normal troops list, because I honestly, I mean, let's be let's be honest. Yeah. Who freaking uses the fifth and sixth slots? Do you ever use them really? I mean, no, like, yeah. See, that's that's what that's what separates the. The Death Guard from the rest of your Legion is the flexibility of those heavy that that heavy support squad because the heavy support uh, choice in your first org is the most competitive slot in your in your for, in your force org because it's real easy for you to determine HQ two choice two troops and determine like out of your Legion what's going to be your elite choice. But when it comes down to how, with the Legion of Stardis, the uh, the heavy uh, force org unit choice is is such saturated with various tanks and tank squadrons, as well as uh, infantry units. Like you got to really pick your battles there when it comes to building your units. So the the ability for the reaping to allow you to have your heavy support squads be a troop choice and then still allow you to have your heavy supports as well like that's a huge benefit over other legions that you can easily take advantage of yeah exactly what do you feel about that scotty no i feel like that's a uh, pretty spot on you want to talk a little bit about these special unique uh units they get Oh, let's go and let's go into this right here. These, it, all right. So here we go. The Grave Warden Terminator Squad, the the big nasty dick slingers yeah, in this unit. Savages. <laughs> uh, of all the dudes that fucking tongue punch fart boxes, these are the number one dudes that tongue punch fart box. I don't know, man. I well, I I love them, but trust me, you get you get some death shroud in in close combat with somebody, and and you're gonna be hurting. Well, yeah, Death Shroud, but but these dudes, Great Wardens, in the Reaping list, where you can fucking have as many as you want, because they're troops, basically. Like, these dudes, like, these guys sniff the farts to the max. Like, they're fucking dope. All right, so the Great Warden Terminator Squad. Originally used as an informal name for the variously the variously armed battalions of Death Guard Terminators of Callus Typhon's company, carried into battle aboard the battleship Terminus Est, the term Grave Wardens also eventually became synonymous with uh, synonymous both within the Death Guard Legion and beyond it, specifically for the alchemical weapon-equipped Terminators unique to the Death Guard. Al alone among the Legion Astartes, the Death Guard made free and frequent use of alchemical weapons such as the Crawling Horror of Phosphex, anemically lethal coline gas and flesh-eating Vescotics, fluid as a matter of course viscous 
That's viscous, folks. <laughs> no, 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 no. That's that's vasgotix. Like, there's literally a word here that's that's spelled. It's like yeah, that's some just kind of made gas up word. That, that, that's not like... real. <laughs> they just wrote some shit. <laughs> yeah. But vasgotix fluid, as a matter of course, and outfitted specialized units in modified tactical dreadnought armor to disperse it accordingly. Where the Grave Wardens walked, they brought a lingering, ugly death to whatever crossed their paths. And as the Death Guard were unleashed on the Imperium in the wake of the War Master's betrayal, weapons which had previously only been used against the foulest and most resilient forms of alien life were turned upon humanity instead, and the Death Guard's tally of murder grew world by world. All right. So... So let me, let me just jump in here because that's one of the, the, the coolest and most useful weapons in the Death Guard arsenal is having cataphractic terminators that can overwatch. Oh, that's, what? What, that's, what, that's what the Death Cloud does for the, for the Grave Wardens. It allows them to yeah. overwatch, unlike yeah, any other right now. These guys... Pound for pound, probably one of the best Zone Mortalis units in the game. Easy. Yeah. Oh, and the yeah, and the set and the other unit is the freaking uh, Death Shroud. Yeah. All right. So, uh, so normal normal Stardays uh, baseline here. So weapon skill, ballistic skill, strength, toughness, all four wounds, one initiative, uh, four. But they all do have two attacks base, which is pretty dope. And they're in cataphracty, so of course they're going to have that two up, four up. Um, so you got your Grave Warden Terminator, and then obviously the Sergeant um, Chem Master, um, and that goes to show you how like the chem munitions and their overall mastery of phosphex and, and chemical warfare within the Death Guard. So the unit comes uh, base with four Grave Warden Terminators and one Chem Master. So they're all infantry, and then obviously the Chem Master is a character, so you can throw that. Power Scythe on them if you wanted to. Um, they come with Cataphractory Pattern Terminator Armor, Assault Grenade Launcher with Crack and Toxin Grenades, and we'll get into the Toxin Grenades pretty soon. Um, they all come with the uh, with a Power Fist, and they all come with a Death Thaw, which we'll get into. And then they have the Legion of Stars Death Card Special Rule, and that sweet-ass Implacable Advance. Um, the dedicated transports, a Grave Warden Terminator squad may choose a Land Raider Proteus or a Land Raider Phobos as a dedicated transport if it numbers five models, or a Spartan Assault Tank if it numbers ten models or less. So basically, it's telling you, like, you're an idiot if you have more than five models because they can't fit in a Land Raider, so you're going to have to put them in a Spartan. Um, options. The Grave Warden Terminator squad may include up to an additional five Grave Warden Terminators at 35 points a pop. And at this point, I'm looking at the book and just realized there is a, been a whole fact. And did, Jay, do you know if these been affected by the big fact that came out? Uh, I don't think the only, I don't think they got a points raise that, that would be the only thing that I think they would have been affected by. And that, that I was going to point that out is they are essentially one of the most cost effective Terminator units in the game. 200 points oh. pop. They're, they're pretty dope. Yep. Um, yep. It does suck that they're, they're, they're hampered by that one wound to pop, but they're, they're definitely worth their weight in gold when it comes to what they can do on the, on the tabletop. 
Um, so they can have you can have up to five Grave Warden Terminators, additional 35 points of pop, which is a standard for any Terminator unit. Any additional ones are going to be 35 points of pop. Um, any model in the unit may upgrade their Power Fist to a Chain Fist at five points. One Grave Warden for every five models in the units may exchange their grenade launcher for a heavy flamer with chem munitions at 10 points. That's pretty dope. Um, the Catmaster may exchange a grenade launcher for a combi weapon for free. So that's pretty dope. All right, so the Assault Grenade Launcher, a robust, a re, a robust if short-ranged, belt-fed weapon. The grenade launcher carried by Grave Wardens is a modified pattern designed primarily for mounting on vehicles of the Imperial Army. It carries two kinds of ammunition. One is a standard shape charge, uh, shape charge crack shell, and the other a toxin warhead, which unleashes a burst of highly lethal chemical agents and concentrated acid vapor on detonation. The weapon has the following profile. So picture a cataphracty terminator with a grenade launcher, and this is what the Grave Wardens are. And this great uh, this grenade launcher, it has two types, it has the crack shell and a yep. toxin shell. So and the crack does shell does not fire just once. So. Yes, it does not. Um, so the crack shell is your standard crack. It's a uh, 18 in well, 18 inch range, strength six, AB four, assault two. All right, so here is the big dig. All right, so imagine ten of these dudes in ruins, and you're running across an open street with just regular tactical marines, like my dumbass. Already, it's not sounded good. <laughs> it's not sounding good. Uh, so, so right off the bat, they're in ruins with ten of them. You're out in the open. And you're just tactical dudes. You're just Dark Angel tactical dudes, right? Um, and then you're about to go up against a Toxin Shell. Ten of these uh, that have range 18 inches. Uh, their strength is star because they're star-powered when it comes to poison. And then uh, AP4. Um, but it's Assault 2, so they get two shots. And it's a 3-inch blast. So 20 3-inch blasts that are... Three up poison. Okay. So just imagine that going against your tacticals, running out in the open. Uh, it's not a good time. Uh, uh, I mean, you, you can all probably assume that you the can spot inflict was yeah. an insane number of hits on a unit because oh, yeah. of this, you know, it's essentially how quad mortars used to work before people started using the play test rules. It's just you can take a group of three guys and hit them like 36 fucking times, and no one can, you know, in a D6 system, you're going to fail. You're going to fail one in six times, which is a lot when you're rolling like 36 goddamn dice. So. Yeah. So, uh, so these dudes are so fucking nasty when it comes to ZM because you have 10 of these dudes in ZM, and because blast markers don't scatter they just hit the wall and they stop and then on top of that uh yep. they get shred yep so you have Locking three up three rollable <laughs> so it's completely nasty um Those if you're playing bastards, dude yeah. god damn it all oh, these fucks so fucking gross just absolutely gross um 
I mean, I never played with Solar Rocks, but didn't you, Scotty? Don't you have a Solar Rocks on? Oh, yeah, dude. And that AP4, people glanced over <laughs> it like, oh, it's not AP3. I'm, I'm not going to fucking even pay any attention. A lot of things have a four-up armor save in this game, folks. To include almost all the Solar Rocks, Dalax have it, a fucking Vorax have, a, I think, a four-up save. There's a lot of shit that can really suffer from ap4 and it uh and in that volume it i mean it, it might as well be ap anything it doesn't fucking matter yeah because you cannot pass enough saves this is one of those things that uses like a game mechanic to fucking nullify whatever it is you have that made your unit cost so many points so if you take a big unit of just aaron or something like that it's like eight guys, but for some reason, you know, maybe you're playing Zone Mortalis and they're kind of close in a hallway. It's not going to matter that they have Terminator armor. It's not going to matter that they have fucking chain fists. It's not going to matter because they're simply going to roll so many dice that they're going to fail and die. Like, this is how it works. Yeah. So, and I mean, we didn't even finish the rest of what their special rules are, but they, like, I'll get to it, but. They can also fire Overwatch. So they're going to get that reactive fire in Zone Mortalis. And yep. it's basically, uh, basically a wall of death that's not D3. It's just a template. So yep. getting into that, the death, the death Cloud, it's another special rule that they, the Grave Wardens have. Uh, the Terminator armor of the Grave Wardens carried, in, carried inbuilt alchemical containment and projection units, allowing the unit to shroud itself in a murderous fog of toxins and direct focus jets of lethally poisonous vapors against their enemies. The death cloud means that any unit with a toughness characteristic charging an unengaged unit will be forced into making a disorder charge while doing so. In addition, the death cloud can be used as a weapon with the following profile and may also be used to make overwatch attacks contrary to the usual limitations of cataphractic terminator. So you can only make... The reactor fire with the death cloud. But the right. death cloud is uh, the range is a template. So you use your, your standard fire, your, your standard flame template. Uh, strength star because of poison. AP4, assault one, poison three plus. So you, on the so if if you have anybody that's dumb enough to charge you, well, not dumb enough, but if they're in a city situation where they're charging you out within that template range, uh, they're going to all get like it's not it's not a Z three. So imagine charging, imagine charging a tactical support squad, all the flamers, and then everybody's getting their D three wall of death. Whereas you got ten grave wardens, and they're they're putting their templates out. Like it's not D three, it's templates. Right? Am I fucking that up? Uh, no, it's it's D three. Each one of them is D three. Ah, shit. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, each each one of them. I mean, it's still it's still a for a unit. They're the only one in the game that can do it. So that's that's always good. Um, you know, it it just uh, uh, it really comes in handy. Well, I mean, because they're not they're not great in close combat. Let's let's be honest. That's why I always put the chem master with. I upgrade him to have the power scythe so that at least there's an ap2 at a higher initiative than one yeah yeah 
best pre-dip. Mm. So, but I will say, I have to say one thing. So they, uh, in their lore, they are from the first company. Uh, they look, the models are modeled exactly as uh, Callus Typhon's model is, right? They're all in cataphracty Terminator armor with the freaking chem nozzles. Why does Callus Typhon not have that special rule? That is something that aggravates the hell out of me. Hey, man. Can't, can't have it all. Just can't, can't have it all. I mean, that's, that's, an easy, that's an easy errata to do. Like, oh, he's in the exact same armor? That doesn't he's mean anything. <laughs> the the dude, of the unit? Oh, because it's easy it. does not mean it's going to get done. <laughs> it's like, Jesus. There's, there's a lot of things, my friend, that, that could be easily <laughs> changed over, but... As we all know, that that doesn't happen. Um, a man can dream, though. A man can dream. man can dream. Uh, just like they took D away from Magnus, a man can dream it could come back. Um, all right, moving on to Death Shroud Terminator Squad. All right, so the only difference between the Death Shroud and the Grave Wardens uh, is you get a unit composition of two. The stat line, you get two wounds instead of one, and their leadership is ten. Uh, you can have up to an additional eight Death Shroud Terminators at 40 points a pop. Uh, and it's weird. They're in Terminator armor, but they can have Melt the Bombs, which is pretty cool. Uh, so they have Terminator armor, Hand Flamers with Chem Munitions, and Death Shroud Power Shots. Uh, basically, these guys are the bodyguard of Mortarian. They have yep. to stay 49 st uh, steps away. Um, the Death Shroud are an elite cadre of warriors within the Death Guard Legion, singled out by Mortarian and chosen for their skill at arms, fearlessness, and their proven endurance. They were often selected from Death Guard who had survived where their comrades had fallen. The Death Shroud formed Mortarian's silent bodyguard, and in peace or war, it was said that at least two of their number remained within 49 paces of their Primarch at any time. Um... Alright, so they get the Legion of Stars Death Guard, Implacable Advance, and they get the favorite of Mortarian, Death Star Child Terminator Squad, numbering five models or less. May take a Land Raider Phobos as a dedicated transport. They can't take anything more, so that you can't they're not like the Grave Wardens where if you take more than five, they get a, a Spartan. Um, so, we already went over the options. Implacable Advance, we all know that that's their scoring unit. Favorite of Mortarian, in addition to being an HQ and early choice at their own right, a Death Shroud Terminator unit may be chosen instead of a command squad as a bodyguard for any Terminator armored equipped Praetor of the Death Guard or the Primarch Mortarian himself. Death Shroud Terminators must always be modeled, painted to be visually distinct from standard Legion Terminator squads to avoid confusion. Yeah, this is one of those like holdover things from before their models were released. So yeah. now they're visually distinctive because they literally are not the same thing as everybody. Correct. Else. They're in they're in Tartarus armor, which you know, so they get to run with the side. You know, they so that sweep in assault. That's a you know decent rule. Running the, in zone mortalis is also a big deal, so you can cover some of those long hallways a little. They fast. have the ability to take melta bombs. So even though they don't have any weapons to combat dreadnoughts or anything in a in a zone mortalis, they can still take him on. Um, and the the chem hand chem flamers are better in zone than normal. I mean, I really never fire those, 
But the big thing for me is that it starts at two models in a unit. So you can, oh, you, you got extra space, you can toss them in. Oh, uh, you want to yeah. take um, Land Raider Achilles or a Proteus with freaking, um, uh, what the hell, the Explorator race, you yeah. can scout it, yeah. right? You know, it gives yep. you the... Or a useful little thing in the, the, the unit composition too gets... You know, gets you a few of them for, you know, not quite the investment that you're looking at with literally every other Terminator unit in the game. And it's, uh, you know, it's a two-wound model with yep. two-up, yep. five-up. So, you know, it's it's not... It's they're not versatile, you know. They're very versatile with the melt-bombs. They're very versatile. They're not going to get holed up on doors in Zone Mortalis. And they can, you know, assault a tank, even though they're mostly armed with a... You know, an anti-personnel style melee weapon, but uh, they're they're a really really good unit and very very cool looking model. This is a very appealing looking unit if you've never you know seen it. Yeah. All right. So Jay, would you would you say they're a must-have in your in your army list? Um, they tend to be in mine, uh, even if. Uh, because they are scoring, they are, uh, like I said, you know, at 90 points, you can get two of them, and they can be either an elite or a troops choice, depending on what right of war you take, obviously. But the just the amount of versatility that they have, uh, I say they, they go in every time. All right. All right, so now we're actually getting into some of the various HQ choices you can get into, which I'm quite surprised that there's actually quite a few. Um, unless, oh, yep, quite a few. All right, so first one, section leader Creases Morturg. Yeah. That's, that's him, the Black Shield, right? That's his name. His yep. Name. Black Shield, formerly of the Death Guard Legion. Creases Morturg. Creases Morturg. Was a bitter warrior, morbid and given to introspection. It's probably because they would make fun of him and call him and be like, hey, Creases Morturg. <laughs> hey, everybody, fucking section leader Morturg's coming. <laughs> God, dude, we're such fucking children. But oh, fucking more turd. God damn. All right. Uh, given uh, given into introspection, he was disliked by his battle brothers. <laughs> he also wasn't. He also wasn't from Barbarous or Terra, if I'm if I recall. Yeah, yeah. He's like a a mutt kind of they picked up somewhere along the way so like yeah, so, how the world eaters had that habit of just like grabbing crazy dudes off worlds and being like you will now be one of us he's a product of that same sort of uh, yeah so old old war turd here he was he was disliked he's he's disliked by his battle brothers despite his evident talents as a warrior and field commander Morturd was neither of Terra nor of Barbarous by birth, but instead taken in with an emergency influx of recruits from the induction pool of the 18th Expeditionary Fleet after the 
death guards suffered near catastrophic losses in the Rangda genocide. Oh, I can't oh, wait. Shit. Oh, God, I can't oh wait. damn it. <laughs> Somewhere Tim's fucking little Australian ears just parked up. Yeah, that's all that's all dark angels right there messing with a bunch of fucking and space wolves so it's messing with a whole bunch of space rats with time weapons that's all they all that's all they fucking were space rats with times weapons um after years after his induction into the legion after he had already risen to the rank of lieutenant his psycho talent suddenly manifested this only served to further isolate him, and he had barely begun his training within the Legion Librarius when Mortarian had it disbanded and ordered that such witchcraft be suppressed. Reassigned to the Legion's Destroyer Corps, he was frequently given Legionaries judged to be fractious or unstable, and his units tasked to the brunt of the worst fighting the Death Guard endured. Progression through the ranks as he might, otherwise have earned was however barred to him and he was clearly marked for death on Isfan 3. Mortar, however, would not die and in this hour of most terrible trial, he rose to become one of the most deadly commanders of the Loyalist Resistance. Despite all the odds, Mortar survived the atrocity of Isfan 3 and he and the few remnants of the slaughtered Loyalists he had gathered to him would live to revenge themselves against their former brothers. Yeah, no. there's uh, in book, what is it, book six, there's a battle report from like 10 or 12 years after the heresy ends that's written by uh, the Captain Morturg, and he's the captain of like a free company of space marines. Yeah. So he can only be taken as part of a loyalist faction army. His warlord trait is Master of Ambush, which is from the original 7th edition of yep. uh, Warhammer 40k. Good one. Um, he, he is a psyker, so he's a psyker mastery level one, and he gets endurance. So any unit he fucking goes into, they're just going to be endured, or he can give any unit endurance, whatever. But mastery level one psyker, um, he's got hardened power armor, so that's pretty dope. Uh, if he gets hit with template weapons, he can set fucking, that sweet rerollable. Um, bolt pistol, power sword, combi flamber, fry crack, and rad grenades. Uh, it gets the independent character special rule, Legion of Stars, Death Guard, Stubborn, Infiltrate, and Psyker Master Level 1, and he can only take him as a Loyalist faction army. Jay, have you ever used Mortard? I have not. Uh, mostly because I never run my Death Guard as Loyalist, uh, and he is required to be one. Um... I, I've never I've never used him. I, I've always found other uh, units instead. I think it would be cool to like put this dude in a black shield's army. Like I don't think anyone would give you any shit if you were in a narrative campaign that is, you know, appropriately timed after Isfan three and you run this guy as part of your black shield army. Well and and I mean because he was in a he ran a black shield force, so that, yeah, I mean, that should yeah. obviously be the case. But uh um the I think if you ran like a, a force with him and Caleb Decima in it, that would be very thematic. Yeah. That's you know because uh, I think yeah. I'm pretty sure Caleb Decima saved him. Your two siege breaker kind of guys, you know, mm -hmm. less. 
There you have it. Oh, more turd. Good for him. Oh, What's next, more man? turd. <laughs> All right, so going on to the next guy, Marshal Durak Rask, Siege Master of the Death Guard Legion. A fanatical follower of his Primarch, Durek Rask, had viewed Mortarian as a pre preternatural savior from his early youth on the benighted planet of Barbarus. Having first been accepted into training for the Death Guard Legion when he came of age, Rask's innate intelligence and fervor were marked with an early stage from an early stage, and he quickly proved to be a dour and driven warrior with an uncommon flair for siegecraft. Over his decades of service, Rask rose steadily through the ranks to become his legion's marshal of ordnance, proving his mettle over many battles and, com- and campaigns. And earning a rare commendation from Mortarian himself after the siege of Valstpol. 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 No, it's, it's, it's V-A-L-S-T-P-O-L. Valstpol. Okay. Yeah. A battle in which Rask himself lost his left eye and was left horrifically scarred. So dope. You get to have a model that's like one-eyed. That's dope. (laughs) He's the one-eyed monster of the Death Guard. That's pretty dope. When Mortarian declared for Horus, Rask was one of the first and loudest in his support, having already became a member of the Seven-Pillared Lodge, which had been founded within the Death Guard to corrupt them. On Isfan 3, Rask volunteered to lead the vanguard attack against his former battle brothers, a treacher he would pay for with his life. So this dude was so super traitor that he died on Isfan 3. Dope. That's what and, happened. And they have a character in the book. It's like, really? You're He's there for two seconds. Yeah, yes. well, so is fucking... Ferris Man, that's a good point. Yeah, exactly. Uh, <laughs> you knew. You knew. That was... Oh, fuck. I know I walked into it, but uh, he's actually in Barry Dagger, um, and he does uh, his backstory is fleshed out a little more. Um, you know, it's uh, he's he seems like a pretty cool character. Hey, he's no fucking Saul Tarvitz, all right? No, he's not. But hey, uh, one thing about this asshole is he does count as a Siege Breaker Legion console. He does a new FAQ, so they yeah. fucking you can. Buy phosphex shells and yep. fucking lose friends to your heart's content. Well, I guess they're not as bad now. So, yeah. All right. Yeah. And so, uh, special rules Legion of Stars, Death Guard, Master of the Legion, so he can get that fucking sweet ass right of war if you want to, Art of Destruction, and Independent Character. He currently wears Artificer Armor, a Thunder, and he ha- he wields a Thunder Hammer, a Volkite Serpenta, Fragment Crack Grenades, one Phosphex Bomb, and a Nuncio Box. He can only be taken part of a traitor faction army. All right, so getting back to that special rule, Art of Destruction, Durak Rask, has both the tank hunters and wrecker special rules applied to all of his attacks, and also confers these rules to the heavy weapon shooting attacks of any infantry unit he joins. So just like Scott said, he counts as the fucking siege breaker, right? Is he siege breaker or the master of singles since he's got the Nuncio box? Siege breaker. Siege Breaker, yeah, he specifically counts as the one uh, that unlocks the Phosphex. Which, which in the um, 40k novel Lords of Silence, which is about uh, a Death Guard splinter fleet, um, they actually talk about the fact that in the Death Guard, the title Siege Master wasn't given out very often, and the leader of that 
Death Guard fleet is also a Siege Master. Hmm. All right. Are we all ready for this? Yeah. You ready? Not Mortarian, but fucking dickhead himself, Callus Typhon. Looks like fucking Bam Bam Bigelow from yeah. former WWF days. It's yeah. fucking throwing bows. Yeah. All right. The first captain of the Death Guard Legion <laughs> once pursued the role of epistolary in the Legion's Liberius, but with the Primarch Mortarian harboring a deep-rooted distrust of those who wield the powers of the Psyker, Typhon suppressed his gift and strove instead to serve as a war leader. So, basically, Mortarian was that angry Catholic father and told him, like, Hey, you may not like boys, but guess what? You're not gonna, you're not gonna fucking come out now. You're gonna suppress that shit. And you're not gonna embarrass this family. All right. Yeah. So <laughs> you better, you better fucking find a lifelong girlfriend. Sure, go ahead and head off to Praise Gateway Camp. Exactly. Yeah. You just better, you just better on hold on to that one and just keep it down inside you and never bring that demon out. Okay. And everything will be cool. All right. All right, and then so, so Typhon suppressed his gift and strove instead to serve as a war leader. So celibacy. Uh, his strength and skill and demeanor led him to high rank indeed, culminating in this, uh, in his command of the potent and unique warship Terminus Est and the deadly alchemical payload held within its arsenal. Though he served no more as battle psyker, the influence of the warp lingered within Typhon still, for he was amongst the first of his legion to heed the influence of the beyond. In the aftermath of the legion's treachery, Typhon was revealed as the master of chemical death and the reaper of men, cutting down his foes with his deadly power scythe and the uh, and with blasphemous chem munitions. All right, so here he is, the big dick guy himself, Callus Typhon, first captain of the Death Guard, the left hand of Mortarian, and master of the Terminus Est. So he comes in with a weapon skill of 6, ballistic skill of 5, strength, toughness 4, wounds 3, initiative 5, attacks 4, leadership 10, and a 2-up save because he's in that cataphractic Terminator armor, and he's got a Mastercrafted Death Rod Power Scythe, a hand flamer with chem munitions, he's got a grenade harness so he doesn't take that penalty for charging, and that Nuncio Vox and Rad Grenades, so, and he can only be included in a Traitor Fraction Army. So special rules he gets, obviously Legion of Stardust, Death Guard, independent character, Master of Legion. Note that he may have a Death Shroud bodyguard, so he can, so he's got the Death Shroud. He can have, he's the Master of Legion, he can have the Death Shroud as bodyguard, whereas the other fuckface can't. Um, no, they all can. That's why I don't, that's, it's weird that it says that, because in the Death Shroud it says they can be taken instead of a command squad. Um, no, I think it says, uh, I thought I read that it was only Terminator Praetors. Well, he's in, uh, well, I guess Typhon's in Terminator armor, so. This was written, I think, before that was, like, clear. No, no, it, it makes sense because, uh, Marshall Dirk Rask, he's only in Artificer armor. He's not in Terminator armor. Yep. So he so, can't take it, yeah. Yeah, yeah, so, so, and it says right here that, uh, can be a command squad. The Death Shroud can be a command squad for a bodyguard for any Terminator armor equipped Praetor of the Death Guard or the Primarch Mortarian. 
So they threw that in there because he's not, he's not just a Praetor and he's not the Primarch Mortarian. So it says right here that he can have the death trap. But he's got Master of the Legion, so doesn't that automatically make him a Praetorian? No. Or, Master, uh, Master of the Legion just allows him to have the fucking... Ha- the, allows him to take a right of war, but that, yeah. you know, essentially makes... Okay, yeah, I get what you're saying. Um, he gets the Kemba Bardman special rule, he gets Witch Blood and Warlord's Pride. And his Warlord trait comes the Reaper. Callus Typhon counts as a denial unit, and no enemy unit within three inches of him can claim an objective. That is nuts. Yes. Uh, Which is kind of weird because everything is a denial unit, you know, just out. But no, but what that allows him to do, like if you if you got a scoring unit, like you put yeah. him you put him on an objective and you got a scoring unit that comes within three inches of him, it nulls it out. It nulls it out. They have to kill him before they can even score. Yeah. That's the case with any denial unit. That's why it's called a denial unit. But most units aren't denial units. No, 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 no. Everything everything in oh. heresy is a is a denial unit. Like, if, if yes. it's not a scoring, it's a denial unit. So to unit. score something, you have to be there and it be uncontested, like with a scoring unit specifically. Yeah. Everything's a denial unit, so I don't know why that's like a big deal, but maybe, well, maybe it wasn't it was an earlier when this version was of, of the game that the denial units did. Yeah, something. probably something like that. Yeah, some weird overlap. But yeah, he definitely could use a, a, a rules. What well, well, I mean, like, so no, it's no, it's awesome. Makes, it he makes has sense a mohawk. He has one of those lamb chop mustaches, like Cal Naughton Jr. from Talladega Nights. Yeah. So, but I mean, it makes it, it makes sense because it they threw the word and in there. So he he counts as a denial unit, and no enemy unit within three inches of him can claim an objective. Okay, so he doesn't have to be on the objective or near it. He just has to go within three inches of a unit. Yes, that exactly. So he could be nine inches or more away from. Yeah. You could drop pot him in or something, or he could be like riding in something and come out and be like, ah, fuck you. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So you put him you put him on you put him on an objective and any unit that's in with three inches of him can't score. So he just he's just like his fart cloud so big that the dudes are like, I don't even know what the fuck's in front of me right now. Like it's fucking crazy. Yeah, except he doesn't have he doesn't have a death cloud, does he? No, he doesn't, so we're going to get into that. So he's got chem bombardment, though. Typhon is a master of chemical warfare and seldom enters battle without the backing of a chemical shell artillery or aerial strike. This ability can be used once per game in the shooting phase of any turn in which Typhon has not moved in the preceding movement phase, though he may declare a charge in the assault phase as normal. Using the ability counts as firing a weapon and uses the following profile. Chem Chem bombardment. Range unlimited. Excuse me. Strength dash, AP4. Uh, type, Ordnance 3, Barrage, Large Blast, 5-inch, Poison 4+, no cover saves. Note that if this attack scatters, it will always scatter the full 2d6. Typhon's ballistic skill makes no difference. So, and, so I've got a thing with that. Okay. okay they made a specific and, point in saying that it does. it's going to scatter its full ballistic his ballistic skill doesn't freaking matter. So my thing is, he should be able to fire that 
chem bombardment from inside a vehicle, and he can't. Huh. You know, like, if it's going to scatter the full thing, then the answer is he can fire on the move. Well, if this if this ability counts as firing a weapon... Um... Oh, shit, you can't put him in a fucking rhino. And, tur- and land raiders don't have access points. So you wouldn't be able to fire it from a vehicle anyway. Because uh, I guess yeah, because it counts as a we- as firing a weapon. Yeah. Right? So like, if the, if the dude was in turn, if the dude was in uh, artificer, you could just throw him in a rhino, and because this ability counts as firing a weapon, he could fire out of the halt access point of rhino and just drop this on somebody. Right. But I, I just interpret it as like it, like it definitely should work the same way as a Damocles command rhino. You know. Yeah. Like it should. If you, you figure if he's in a friggin' Land Raider, he's got access to the comms net. Yep. Or I can see, like, this should be something that occurs, be- like, after deployment, before the, the turn begins. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, you just drop it and do whatever fucking damage you could. All right. Witch Blood. Second fucking special rule of this fart sniffer. Uh, thought by some to have been tainted by the blood of nightmarish alien warlords. Who once held sway on ill-fated Barbarus, Callus Typhon was a psyker. However, given the hatred of witchery, quote unquote, professed by his Primarch, he has long held his abilities in abeyance before the whispers of chaos came to him in the guise of Erebus. You know, let's let's bring it back for a minute. Everybody hates on Erebus. I think he's a cool fucking dude. Oh God, fuck. I think he's really good. Oh like, man. He's, he's cool definitely dude. not a cool fucking dude. He's a dude, cool fucking dude. You know, he, like, everybody says that he's the cause of everything, right? He's the cause of everything. The dude, all he did was just be like, hey, horseman, this, this is what I got. You can either take it or leave it. I'm just saying. Here, but yeah, you should take sure. it. That's a very strange interpretation, Vince. (laughs) That is a very bespoke opinion on how all this got. I tell you, am I wrong? Am I wrong? So, everything Erebus did, I got a Snickers for you. (laughs) He sucks, but the thing that I I don't like him the most for is killing Argletal. Which, well, yeah. which you guys don't even know. I, I, that's you guys. I know who that is. Did you? Well, no, you read Betrayer, right? Yes. So you know who Argletal is. Yeah. <laughs> I mean that 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 was a dick move. And then as Karn is carving him apart, he warps out of there. All right. Fuck him. This is the Death Guard episode. He can suck it. No yeah. one gives a shit about you, Erebus, wherever just, you are. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. <laughs> Call your mom. Who fuck cares? Fuck Erebus. But, you know, someone who is cool, the fucking Primark. Oh, oh fuck. Hold on, hold on. Before we get to hold on, before we get to that, uh, sorry I had to finish out that special rule. <laughs> God, hurry up. Fuck, man. All right, so Callus Typhon is a level one psyker who may utilize a power from the telepathy discipline but may not use his powers if on the same battlefield as the Primarch Mortarian before Mortarians fall to chaos. All right. Warlord's pride. If Kalos Typhon is part of your army, then he will always be the army's warlord, regardless of the leadership value of other ace choices, unless 
Mortarian is also present. He does not roll on the Warlord's traits table, but instead uses his own unique trait. That's it. Old boy Typhon is finished. The second in command fart sniffer. Now we're on to the, the big man himself. Big Barbarai. Big Barbie. From Barbarai. Mortarian the Reaper. The Pale King. Master of the Death Guard. The Traveler. Dread Liberator of Barbarus. The shadowed and sinister Mortarian was Primarch and commander of the Death Guard Legion. Raised upon a nightmare world of fell secrets and necromantic horror, where humans were hunted like animals, the darkness that surrounded him seeped into his soul and would never leave him. Fiercely driven and relentless, the Reaper Primarch led his Legion to become wrathful liberators specters of death and judgment to whom no battlefield was insurmountable and no foe too terrible to face with lies and half-truths did horus sway mortarian to his cause and the price that he and his legion would pay for their role in the heresy would be nightmarish beyond imagining all right so straight up mortarian weapon skill seven bullet skill five strength six toughness seven wound seven Initiative 5, attacks 5, leadership 10, 2 plus save because of the barber and plate. He's got the Primarch special rule, Sire of the Death Guard, Shadow of the Reaper, Prenatural Resilience, which spite and very bulky. Including with the barber and plate, he also has the silence, uh, the lantern, frag grenades, and unlimited phosphex bombs. And he can only be, and surprise here, he can only be taken as part of a traitor faction army. Sire of the Death Guard, Mortarian's presence on the battlefield lends his troops a terrifying grim resolve beyond that even the Death Guard commonly display. While the force's munitions are likely to have been augmented by Bioacum and toxic rounds from their master's own armory, all models with the Legion of Stardust Death Guard special rule in an army containing Mortarian gain the stubborn special rule if they were not already fearless. Frag grenades, frag missiles, and havoc launchers in the army gain the poison four up special rule. Uh, Shadow of the Reaper, Mortarian is a terrifying, almost spectral, spectral figure who, despite his size and bearing, is able to go unseen almost at will and attack from an unexpected quarter. Leadership tests taking against fear caused by Mortarian at a minus one penalty. In addition, so long as he is not within a transport, in reserve, or locked in combat, in the player's shooting phase in lieu of making a run move or a shooting attack, Mortarian's player may attempt to redeploy him by passing a successful leadership test. The special redeployment may be anywhere within 10 inches of his starting position, as long as there is a space for his model, and he may not be placed within three inches of an enemy model. He may not be placed within impassable terrain or inside a vehicle or building. This is not counted as a move as such, and the intervening terrain does not affect him in any way. If Mortarian is part of a unit, he is automatically separated from them by using this ability and leaves them behind. Mortarian may assault normally in a turn that he is redeployed in this way, but counts as making a disorder charge if doing so. So this is that special ability that Mortar that basically allows Mortarian to like deep strike in the turn that he's walking on the board. It's yeah, nice. it, that's my favorite ability that he's got. It's awesome. He just phases in and out of reality like he's the Grim Reaper and just pops in. 
Yeah, Scotty, you still with Zone Mortalis, this is bad. You don't want this. <laughs> you don't want this happening. Yeah, because intervening terrain doesn't matter, so he can go up levels. It's it's very, very uh, good, especially if you use... Because you use that instead of firing, but you take a leadership test, so you can move, still have him bubble-wrapped uh, from the previous turn in a Terminator unit, then zip him out fast. As long as you can, uh, as long as the dice don't turn on you, which I find the Death Guard happens a lot. Yeah. Roll, roll a lot of ones. All right, pre-natural resilience. Mortarian's resilience and stamina are a legend, and it has been said that of all the Primarchs, none were more able to shrug off injury and torment as he. And of all, none had endured more in their lives before the Emperor had reclaimed them. I would say Angron probably endured a little bit more than he did. Um, Mortarian rerolls any failed toughness tests, or it will not die rolls. Mortarian automatically passes any dangerous terrain test he is called on to take. Any weapon which wounds based on a flat dice roll result rather than a normal two wound roll against Mortarian's toughness, such as attacks with the poison special rule, etc. Only affect Mortarian on a d6 roll of a 6 instead of their usual effect. So my Dark Angels heavy tactical support squad with heavy bolters with molecular acid chill rounds. Once we've killed off all those fucking death shroud uh, and you're shooting Mortarian, you're only wounding him on a six plus. Uh, sucks. Witch fight. Any malediction power affecting Mortarian or a unit he has joined is negated on a D6 roll of a four plus because apparently he hates Psyker so much it gives him... Powers against Psychers. Who would have fucking known? Um, War Gear. The Barbon Plate. Mortarian's War Panoply of, is of his own design, fusing power armor technology with his own lore. It is designed not only to protect him in battle, but augment his own singular physiology and environmental needs, synthesizing trace elements of the poisonous vapors of his home world to mix with the air he breathes. The Barbon Plate provides a two up armor save and a four up invulnerable save. You're basically your, your standard cataphracty, um, but not the same restrictions as cataphracty. Silence. A massive two-handed battle scythe with a, with a blade span as long as most human warriors are tall. Silence. To give it the macabre nickname favored by its wielder is accounted as one of the most fearsome blades wielded by any Primarch. Since Mortarian's finding, there have been dark whispers that the blade of Xeno's tainted origin and some familiar with the legend of the Death Guard Primarch's early life believe it to be none other than the weapon of the terrible creature that once named himself Mortarian's father. Alright, so the range is blank because it's, it's close combat weapon. Plus strength plus one, so strength seven. And then AP two. It's a melee, instant death, sunder, Two-handed and reaping blow. So the reaping blow is what we talked about before. Minus one to the uh, initiative. Um, but you get that plus one attack if you are outnumbered by the time it's your initiative step. The lantern. A drum-barreled energy blaster of unknown origin. The lantern is Mortarian's preferred sidearm. The lantern. Range 18, strength 8, AP 2, assault 1, sunder. And obviously it tells you right here, Sunder attacks with a special rule may rule filled armor penetration. And then obviously phosphorus bombs. 
where Tyrion carries a number of comp compact phosphate bombs of his own design, which hang from his armor in the shape of sensors. These are identical in-game terms to the phosphate bombs found on page 84 of the Legion of Star Wars Crusade Army list book, except Mortarian has an effectively unlimited supply in battle, and so they are not considered one-shot weapons. Mortarian may throw one of these bombs as a shooting attack with a range of 12 inches. Which is longer than anybody else tossing those as well. Yep. So, Jay, Mortarian, yes. what do you think of him? Uh, he is one of my favorite Primarchs to use. Um, he's very tough. That that uh, toughness seven really does help out. Um, yep. That not, will, it will not die. Attacks, uh, yes, but I always fail those, so I never, <laughs> I never <laughs> really count that in as as part of. Yeah. Like yeah, I if, it, if it, cast like two or three, it will not die in my whole fucking gaming. Yeah, career, bank so. bank error in my favors don't occur very often. So, uh, but um, the lantern is a is a amongst the better Primark uh, ranged uh, weapons, and he's got it. You know, it's true. He's got one of the best. Uh, uh, one of the best close combat weapons for a Primark in the game. So, um, and his, you know, the ability to detach from the unit he's with and ghost, you know, 10, 11 inches is very useful. So, um, and he makes all uh, frag uh, grenades and missiles poison too, right? Uh, yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, that's, you know. Very happy. Well, that, that that's 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 it for the Death Guard episode, boys. That's it. We did it. We did Folks, it. Death Guard. Still... If you fucking like painting weathering, this <laughs> is your army. Fucking get on it. Hey, let me ask you something. Do you yeah. like models that look like shit? Do you like <laughs> yeah. models that smell like do you, shit? Do you want do your you fucking like models that include a lot of chipping fluid and rust weathering powders? Well, guess what? I got a legion for you. These fucking Let me tell guys. you. Thank you, yeah, Fortune. God bless them. Gentlemen, you have a nice night. You as well, Scott. Guys, yeah. it was a pleasure. Well, Scotty, do you, do you, uh, Scotty, do you have any, uh, any shout-outs? Me? Yep. I do not. I, I'm, I'm going to shout-out to uh, uh, the uh, AJ and the boys of the Golden Throne, uh, Tim and Michael. Down in Australia. Always thinking about you guys. Uh, and then everybody over at RFI. I can't wait to see you guys a uh, couple, 60 days, right? Yeah. yeah. War Games Camp, fuckers. War Be Games there. Camp. Uh, I got one shout out here. So uh, there is a group within Tampa, Tampa, Florida. They're called the Grail System on Facebook. They normally play once a month. Uh, hopping between two stores. Uh, the two stores are Serenity Games and Seminole and the Bearded Brown Coat Comics and Games in Ocala, uh, as well as there is a nice gentleman uh, by the name of Aaron Powell of the Grell System who's bringing 30K Heresy finally to the Crucible event that occurs in Orlando around uh, the October time frame. 
Uh, let's see. The Crucible's in seven months. Yeah, it's in the October. So it'll be a one-day Friday event. 2,500 points. No Primark. 25% Lord of War accepted. Three two-and-a-half-hour matches. It'll be three-game uh, event with special objectives and deployments. Uh, it'll be from Friday morning to evening. And that's about it. So basically what I've been... Uh, I've said before on this, like South Florida really doesn't have a heresy group. Um, and I would love it if there's any South Florida listeners within the uh, Naples, Fort Myers, Miami, Fort Lauderdale area. Uh, if you guys are listening and you want to get something started, hit me up on the RFI page and we can make something happen at, at like Tate's or something or somewhere. Um, but basically, we can get 30k started down here because there's no 30k scene. But these guys, Aaron Powell, he's trying to do. He's from the Tampa scene, and they're trying to do something. Uh, hopefully, uh, it gets enough interest in their one-day event that next year at Crucible, they can go bigger with a two-day event. So definitely show up to Crucible this year. Uh, I'm gonna try and stop by. I just got to make sure I get the time frame right. But I'm gonna try and make it there and play in their one-day event. Um, it should be a good time. I hear it's basically a booze fest, which is always good when you're playing Warhammer. Um, and that's about it. Don't forget, we got War Games Camp coming up. Um, we got cr the crazy stuff going on. We got Kurt Miles around the Chondax campaign out of uh, Book 8. And we got uh, old Big Will Frank running uh, the Battle of Roe Cancris, I believe is the way you uh, pronounce it. It's basically, Why don't you sign up? So, sorry, I don't mean to interrupt. Do I no, no, go ahead. What's up? For any event at, at camp? Or do I just do it when I get there? Yeah, yeah, you can just do, do it when you get there. Do it when you get there, man. You're yeah. fucking in. Guess what, yeah. Jake? You were in, bro. Yeah. Oh, I, hey, do you want in? Looking forward You're to it, bro. It's going to be good. There you go. Player number one. Make sure you have your list submitted, bud. There you go. I'll get it submitted. Yep. Fantasy. Bring an army. Oh, oh man. Get paid, yeah. Jay. <laughs> yeah. It's going to be a great time. It's going to be great. All, All right, guys. Y'all have a nice night. Take it easy, Scotty. Take it easy, guys. Okay. Good night. Night.